Tell me something about the how this album got uh, being made. Oh, how was it made? Yeah, I mean, like just oh, yeah. a brief, a brief, uh, a they, brief uh, uh, explanation of how how you guys <laughs> record this. Well, we put it. We took a few months to put the songs together and uh, demo the songs. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Of course, everyone knows where that is. Okay. And then we flew to Los Angeles, California, little-known town, and we recorded it in maybe three months. And that was it. Nothing to it. It's time for some cheap talk. You're listening to Trick Chat. Episode 43 of Cheap Talk, Busted Side 1. I'm Ken Mills, one of your hosts here today, and as always, I am joined by BJ Cramp. Brian, how are you doing, sir? Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. We're all all right. <laughs> Hello there, ladies and gents. Today, we are discussing the album Busted from 1990, and we are joined from the Mighty Rock Solid Podcast, Pat Francis. Hello, BJ and Ken. Good morning. How are you doing, sir? We just like to say bang, zoom, crazy hello to you. (laughs) Hello. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, here we are to talk about Bust It. Now, let's talk a little bit about your love of Cheap Trick, because you are a big Cheap Trick fan. Yeah, uh, Cheap Trick is definitely my, my favorite band. Uh, I don't always, that, that makes it sound like I'm listening to Cheap Trick every day, and that's not true. Right. But they're, uh, you know, ever since I heard uh, I Want You Don't Want Me on the radio, uh, you know, the version from Budokan, I was in eighth grade, and I was literally, I was like, well, wait a minute, what is this? Mm-hmm. I've never heard anything like this. So, of course, I bought Budokan, and then I went and bought the three previous albums, mm-hmm. and then... After that, I'm, I'm day one of release. I'm right there. And back in the day when there wasn't the internet, you know, you would, you would just have to hear about the album coming out. I can remember calling record stores like every day, like new Cheap Trick album coming. No, we, we didn't come in yet. You know, every single day just waiting for Dream Police and all shook up and found all the parts and one-on-one, everything, just everything to come in and, and always thrilled with the covers and always thrilled with the songs yeah they're my band i went to the i went to the rock and roll hall of fame induction i got to shake hands with each and every one of the members uh, after they got their award i was i was back in the uh, green room area where i wasn't supposed to be but wow awesome i, I go i i go where i'm not supposed to be <laughs> well it pays to be a groupie that's all yes. i'm gonna say yes so you know you mentioned the the uniqueness of i want you to want me as a single back at the time that it came out there's a lot of things that get forgotten over time or maybe never experienced by the listener and by this i'm talking about like when i tell people how unique sounding the car's first album was they have no context other than the fact that they've heard my best friend's girlfriend 900 times on every classic rock radio station ever right yeah, and they're sick of it, probably. Yeah, but at the time, it was amazingly fresh, extremely cold and sterile music. It it was like Buddy Holly meets Aliens, you know what I'm saying? And in yeah, that same respect, I think that a lot of Cheap Trick fans have forgotten how that single 
cut through what was going on radio at the time. It was such a different sound as a single. Forget the album for, for a few seconds. We're talking about just the uniqueness of the live sound in what had become a beats per minute kind of groove that the, the record companies were like kind of putting out the same kind of product over and over again. And here's something that breathed like a human being and even stammered when it talked, you know, <laughs> this <laughs> how Robin kind of intros the songs and stuff and, uh, yeah, and connects I'm, I'm with the audience. I might be incorrect. You guys can, can tell me if I'm right or wrong. But wasn't Robin's introduction also on the single? I, I'm not 100% sure. I think it, Hold on a it second. was on the radio, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't so, recall ever hearing it on the radio without hearing Robin say, yeah. I want you to want. Right. And that was another thing that I'm like, oh, wow, that is really cool. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, let's check the authorized greatest hits real quick. See what it does. Just there it is. I want you yeah. to want me. So in between Bee Gees songs and whatnot, you had that uh, pause, that, that thing that like made everybody set up and take notice, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think what's great is, you know, here you have Pat Francis is a, I mean, listeners of Rock Solid know he's a very dedicated, passionate, huge rock and roll fan and Cheap Trick are his favorite band of all time. And, you know, that's like a, a common story. They're like, I always say they're the band's band or the yeah. musician's band and, mm -hmm. and huge fans of rock and roll. Why do you think they're your favorite band, Pat? I mean, what is it about Cheap Trick that makes them your favorite? First of all, it, it, it's the sound. But then when I, when I first picked up an album and I saw these two great looking guys and then these two nerdy dudes, just the whole package yeah. <laughs> was was like I'm like well there's something here for everyone. Mm -hmm. If I'm like if I'm like a nerdy guy and I see well Rick Nielsen and Bunny Carlos are in this popular band. Hey anyone can be in a band. And then you know Robin and Tom were beautiful. You know what I mean? You would look at those guys and say, man, I wish I looked like that dude. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and there was so many so many elements there. And Rick back in the day especially was like a cartoon character and I don't know, I just it was it was it was image and maybe they didn't even know they maybe they weren't going for that. That was obviously them. It wasn't like a a pre thought out thing like, you know, like Kiss. But uh I just thought they had everything. They had a great lead singer, they had an amazing bass player. I mean, every everything was was great to me. And I had never seen anything like that. I mean either Band members all look the same. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, if you look at Van Halen, they're all, you know, they all look, yeah, those guys belong in a group together. But you look at Cheap Trick and you're like, what's going on here? These, <laughs> these two guys don't even look like they'd be friends with those two guys. I mean. I always thought it was like the four stages of being a man. Like Rick's the little <laughs> kid. Yeah. And uh, Robin's the, the, the teen heartthrob, and then Tom's the guy who's like the sophisticated guy who has a really cool car and slightly older, and then mm -hmm. Bun's what he winds up being. That's <laughs> <laughs> selling tires somewhere with a tie and smoking, you know. And somewhere, somewhere Rick's your crazy uncle that you're not supposed to be in a room alone with. Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, people say, well, it wasn't really a contrived thing. I'm sorry, but when you purposely seek out sweaters that look like the ones Rick did, yeah, it's a contrived thing. 
<laughs> I well, know that... <laughs> once they once they once they came upon this this image, then they milked it. But it it yeah. definitely the way it developed wasn't contrived. Right. Some of it was out of necessity or whatever. But uh, but by the time but, you get to the album covers, yeah, you know the two sides of the album cover, you know it's contrived. So at that point, right? But you know. Pat was talking about what we always talk about on this show, where there's things about Cheap Trick that either you get it or you don't. Right. And the people that get it, that's why they love the band, because of that. All the other stuff that goes into it, like the sense of humor and the satirical nature of it. And, you know, there's so many different levels, so many things to love about the band besides just the songs. Mm-hmm. So. And, and, uh, and, and, and the songs, though, I mean, yeah. you know. When I bought Budokan, like I said, then I went back and I'm like, oh, this band has three other albums, which was, that's always fun when you're discovering a band for the first time and find that they have back catalog. But man, and it's he- those three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he- yeah, exactly. It's those three. But Heaven Tonight, the songs on Heaven Tonight are so phenomenal to this day. I just, that's my, that's my number one cheap trick album. Those songs just mean so much to me, and, and I never get. I, I'm sick of "I Want You to Want Me" now, but man, I never get sick of "Surrender," and I never get sick of any of the songs on "Heaven Tonight." So that was that was quite a find, uh-huh. you know, after Budokan. Yeah, yeah. You know, you mentioned how there was something there for everyone. I was always, uh, if like like if I were to describe myself as a teen, it was the weird art guy who was who would play guitar. And I had more in common with John Belushi as far as looks and uh, physique than I did Robin Zander and Tom Peterson. But I, I had these two friends that were also Kiss fans, Tony, <laughs> Tony Martin and Mario Krim. And those two guys could have been Robin and Tom for all intents and purposes. And I tried to explain the differences between me and them one day, and I used Cheap Trick as the example. <laughs> that, see, you're on the this side of things, and I'm on this side on the moped. So, <laughs> Ken, I'm so I'm so sorry that you have that self-image about yourself. <laughs> oh no, no, hey, it, it it serves me well to this day. But, uh, you know, it, it was just it was just a, a nice way to cut through a, a shorthand, if you will. No, true. The, true. the teen experience. And you, and you know what? You take the makeup off of Kiss, and a couple of that, those guys are on the back cover, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's Ace why they nev- wore the makeup. Ace is never on the front cover without makeup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's a great distinction to make about somebody. Are you on the front or back cover of a Cheap Trick album? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you guys each have a favorite Cheap Trick album? Mine is the first album. Yeah, it's, it's pretty great. So incredible. <laughs> Pretty amazing. I can yeah. only give you a quick top five, and and it changes. <laughs> but the I'll first Cheap it. Trick album, yep. The In Color, Heavens mm-hmm. Tonight, Budokan, and '97, and then Dream Police. Yeah, '97's amazing too. I I, I never put live albums in there because I just feel like it's a it's a best of yeah live. But but Budokan is kind of feels like a. Not it's its own monster. It's just, it's its own monster, and I do prefer the the single disc version to the double disc. Me too. I like having I like having all those live songs, but if I'm going to listen to at Budokan, it has to be the way I remember it as a as an eighth grade kid. Exactly. By the way, we have some big news uh, for listeners of Cheap Talk. We have a Twitter now, BJ. What? 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 
So you can find us on Twitter at Cheap Talk Tweets, one word, at Cheap Talk Tweets. So I'm following you guys. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, I, I never use Twitter, but I should probably maybe start. <laughs> I just never do it. So today we're talking about 1990s Busted by Cheap Trick. Pat Francis, what are your overall thoughts on Busted? Okay, well, first of all, a lot of Cheap Trick, there's a, there's a few Cheap Trick albums that I consider as uh, they go together. Like, I, I mm-hmm. feel like One on One and Next Position, please go together. Not because they sound alike, but because the band used the same logo for both of those and the same art director did the covers for both of those. So I always felt like those two albums were a, a duo for some reason in my head. Right. And that's how I feel about Lap of Luxury and Busted, because they're both produced by Richie Zito, Tom's back in the band, uh, Epic is behind the band again, the band is doing well. Uh, so I love, I love Busted. I, I really... I mean, I like I love Lap of Luxury too. I mean, I know they have outside writers on there. I know people complain about the production, and, and Richie Zito was on Rock Solid, but um, that's that's what all those bands did with the production back then in order to get back in to the mainstream or get back on the radio. I mean, Heart did it. I mean, White Snake did it. Everyone had that that sound of production to some extent. So, you know, I, does it does is Busted as good as Heaven Tonight or the first album or 97? No, but do I love it as much as those albums? I do. I There's only a couple of tracks on this that I don't like. And uh, I also like Busted better than Lap of Luxury because the band was writing the songs again for the most part. And Back in Blue is, is such a great song to kick off the album. And I got to see them play it live in, I think in... Uh, maybe Sheboygan, Wisconsin. I saw them on the Busted Tour many, many times because I was living in Chicago at the time. So Now there's an album you want to buy, Cheap Trick, live in Sheboygan. Yeah, that would be a, an amazing <laughs> album. But um, So yeah, I, I, I love Busted, and that's why I wanted to talk about Busted. I think you guys gave me two albums I could talk about, and uh, I chose Busted. So here's some facts about Busted. Busted is the 11th studio album released by Cheap Trick, which was released in 1990. It peaked at number 44 on the U.S. album charts. After the success of The Flame from the previous album, Lap of Luxury, the band recorded Busted with a similar format, especially on the single Can't Stop Fallin' Into Love. The single peaked at number 12 on the U.S. charts. The album failed to be as successful as the label had hoped. And about a year after the release of Busted, Epic Records dropped Cheap Trick from their label. Um, bum, ba, dum, you, sh- you should have just gone full-on Casey Kasem when you did that. There were three videos shot for this LP. Can't Stop Falling Into Love, If You Need Me, and Wherever Would I Be. After being out of print for several years, Busted was reissued in 2010 and combined into one disc with Found All the Parts from 1980, which made little sense since Found All the Parts was already available as bonus tracks on the 2006 reissue of the 1980 album All Shook Up. <laughs> That's a pretty great impression, dude. <laughs> now, I have the I, I bought all the Japanese uh, pressings of... Right. 
of the of the of these albums. So and and I got to tell you, they they sound amazing. Like Busted sounds amazing. Yes. All those Japanese. I don't know when did I buy them, like eight or nine years ago, but mm-hmm. those things sound incredible. Yep. And now they're reissuing them again with bonus tracks and stuff. I definitely think people should pick those up if they have the capability. And yeah. we also send a special shout out to our Canadian friends. The album was certified gold in Canada for sales of 50,000 copies in November of 1990. So Canada, eh? They love this one. It went gold in the U.S. too, I think. Well, I'm just going by the facts I have in front of me. So. Um, also, it's amazing to me that Cheap Trick has a, a top 12 single from this album. Yeah. And, and it's still considered a failure. Yeah, and, and, and that song never, never makes it into the set list, not even close. It's very bizarre. And the album lasts 46 minutes and 36 seconds, and I believe we're already there before we even start talking about the album improper. So let's kick off the first track. Back in Blue. Pat Francis, your thoughts on Back in Blue? You know, I don't even know what it means. I don't even know what Back in Blue means. Maybe you guys can tell me. But man, do I love that song. It's four minutes and 42 seconds, which seems like a long song, close to five Mm -hmm. minutes. Doesn't feel like it to me. I love it, love it, love it. One of my favorite songs on the album. BJ, your thoughts? Yeah, I like this song. I don't know what Back in Blue means. I I mean, obviously, it's a play on words, but the... He's back, but he's sad, or he's back, but he's bruised and injured, or yeah. I'm not sure I don't what they're talking know. about. <laughs> but yeah, this, so the co-writers, Taylor Rhodes and uh, Robert Johnson, I'm guessing those guys probably already had this song, and then when the band got a hold of it, they maybe tweaked it a little bit, and that's why Rick and Robin's names are on it. I, that's yeah. just my that guess. Sounds, that sounds probably correct. The production on the album, uh, it doesn't really bother me at all. And I, it's definitely better produced than Life of Luxury was. But um, there's an interesting quote I found in the Reputation as a Fragile Thing book from Bunny. Where is that? He said, uh, Richie's engineer Phil was getting divorced when the mix got done. Phil dropped out and Richie said he couldn't do it. The album was due in eight days, so they got Mike Shipley and Dave Thainer to come in and each do half the album in a week. They resampled the snare drum and used the same sample on every song. And so that's one thing I noticed listening to this is the drums just sound the same on every song. And so I, that, that, I guess that's part of it, is that oh, they were it. using this sample of the snare. And it, the, when they mixed the album, they kind of fucked up the drums, I think. Because there really is, there's, there's not a lot of personality in the drums. Like every song, they just sound the same. Yeah. Just the same like steady beat. And uh, I always think about when bands have like a clutch or choke moment in their career where they're following up lap of luxury so they obviously they want to capitalize on that and so there's definitely that's part of the motivation of how this album turned out what songs are on it how it was produced everything you know even though at the time they were saying they were getting getting back to basics and having fun again they were saying quotes like that in the press but really they were pretty obviously trying to capitalize on or keep the lap of luxury success going that was definitely like there's definitely a certain amount of calculation in in this album, but I agree with Pat that it's better than Lap of Luxury. 
like I like this better as an album than Lap of Luxury, but I probably like individual songs on Lap of Luxury better than individual songs on this album. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would definitely say there's nothing on this album I like as much as Let Go. Oh yeah, Let Let Go is amazing, and I love I love Ghost Town. I like those two songs better than my favorite songs on Busted, but I yeah. like Busted as a whole better than Lap. Yeah, well, definitely the low points of Busted are not as bad as the low points of Lap, too, as well. Oh, my <laughs> so God. So I guess the highs and lows are both not matched, I guess. All we say. need is a dream. I hate it from Lap of Luxury. I hate oh, that really? so much. <laughs> I like that one. I would say the low is probably Space. And you know what's funny? I love I love that. I love Space. <laughs> so it's so weird. I love No Mercy, too. And no mercy is pretty bad. Okay, back to busted. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and back in blue, I would, I would say this is a really cool song. I like it a lot. The only thing that stands out is, like I was saying, that weird, the drums are just kind of robotic and uh, maybe too high in the mix, even. Mm-hmm. But um, this I'll is. Li- I will have to and, listen for that next time. And uh, one thing I definitely hear on busted, especially with the more rocking songs, I wish there was more guitar. Mm-hmm. Like more guitar tracks and more Rick, you know, kind of noodling and being Rick. So, yeah. I remember when this album came out, I, I at the time I subscribed to um, some entertainment magazines and Entertainment Weekly was one of them. And I remember and I think I, I think I came across it the other day because I would cut out the reviews and keep them mm-hmm. in my cheap trick folder like a nerd. But uh, yeah, Entertainment Weekly gave this album an A and I was so excited until my Rolling Stone came, and it got two out of five stars. Hmm, yeah. And I was just like, <laughs> man. And another thing about, uh, about Busted was I was living in Chicago at the time, and they did an in-store signing in Downers Grove mm-hmm. for Busted. And I remember going down there with a, a friend of mine and my girlfriend at the time, and I thought the place was going to be jammed. Right. And man, it was not. And um, I got my picture taken with every member of the band. And the thing that really stands out about that is Rick was not signing the album. Rick was using a rubber stamp <laughs> with his name and his caricature on it. So obviously, obviously he signed something, had that turned into a rubber stamp. But I thought that was cool and also kind of dickish at the same time. Well, it's hilarious because it's Rick Nielsen <laughs> doing Being it. Rick. So. <laughs> and and no one no one like I didn't think now I would, but I didn't think to say, Hey Rick, that's cool, but I would really like your signature. I'm sure he would have signed, but no one was no one was asking. He was just it wasn't like he had a broken hand or something and that's why he was doing it. He was just doing it to be quirky or to be To be Rick. Or to be Rick, yeah. yeah. But uh, okay. Well, not that well, Brian you... Cramp asked me my opinion on the song, but I'm <laughs> right. going to give it anyway. Coming off of Lap of Luxury, this sounds like a very generic song to me. And that's not to say that the performance of the song isn't good. Robin's great, but Rick does not have a great solo in it to lift the song up for me. Uh, what solo is on there is good, but but the whole song itself seems to be a victim of its typical 80 production. What BJ said about the drums is a crying shame. Uh, I think that this song overall is about one minute too long. And it's it's not... To me, that reveals a problem with a song that's not 
as clever as you want it to be because you're just repeating the same track that you've already laid and sometimes cutting a song back like I don't know what it is in the 80s we all got to a point where a good song had to be four to five minutes long some of the best songs in rock history are like two minutes two minutes and a half you know three minutes whatever but this one could have had a little editing and I think it would have been better for it now when you bought this album though in 1990 mm-hmm you weren't thinking about the production back then, right? You're only thinking about the production when you go back and listen to it now. Am I correct? Because when I picked it up in 1990, I thought it sounded amazing. I didn't think like, no, this is, this is 80s and 90s production. I was just like, yeah, this is, what, this is what the band sounds like right now, and I love it. John, can we have a look and see what we, uh, who's out here tonight? John, John, are you ready? John Malmese, oh, there we go. Uh, we have a new album out, it's called Busted. It's all right with you, we're gonna play a couple songs from that album right now, is that all right? This one's called Black and Blue.
You know, it's weird we mentioned the drums, though. In my notes on the next track, it's the first thing I talk about. I guess we should get to that. Track two, I can't understand it. And what I wrote is a great start with the drums. So apparently, (laughs) I didn't mind it so much when I was doing the notes for this. There's a lot more cheap trick personality in this one, but it's straight out of the gate with some bad lyrics. The what's the matter you seems kind of weird. Reminds me of that old uh, Italian novelty song. Uh, I've, I've got my eyes on you, my gun's loaded for two. Those are very clumsy lyrics, and uh, but it's a fun performance. But the first two songs are basically the same song. It's kind of like the same problem that I had with "We're We're All Right." We're We're All All Right, lyrically, and again, no great Rick solo. Pat Francis, your thoughts uh, on "I Can't Understand It"? I, again, I this is a, this is a Xander Nielsen composition with no other with no outside writers, mm-hmm. and uh, I. I think coming off Back in Blue, I love Back in Blue, and I, 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 it flows right into I Can't Understand It. I, I love can't, I Can't Understand It. I can't understand why you don't like it. I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah, what's the matter with you? What's what's the matter with you? Yeah. <laughs> Brian Cramp, your thoughts on track two, I Can't Understand It. I love this song. I think this is a classic Cheap Trick song. I, this I would put this song on on mixtapes. Like this is a best of Cheap Trick song, in my opinion. Uh, I love it, and I always think of it as kind of a sister song. And never had a lot to lose. I think it has a pretty similar mm-hmm. vibe to that song. I think I think I like it even more than Never Had a Lot to Lose. I, it's and it's got a great bridge section. This is a great, very well-written, fun, really fun, great Cheap Trick song. That sounds like a, a classic Cheap Trick song to me. So I love it. I do. I love it too. I'm 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 two for two on this album. And Ken, yeah. you're you're zero for two. No, I'm I'm at halves. So using the Butler Rock and Roll Geek score, I oh gave boy. both tracks a half. <laughs> oh man, the can't understand it is a ten. Really. Yeah, it's great. I love it. I think, and I it, think it made the box set, right? This one, they, they even put it on the box set. I mean, yeah, I just love Back Against the Wall, but you know, The weekend's on its way. I love mm. any song about The weekend coming up. <laughs> I dig that. I really do. I dig it's that. Just, it's just telling you, hey, this is this is already a fun song because it's about The weekend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the weekend's the best. Look what we're doing right now on a weekend, Sunday morning, having fun. <laughs> Absolutely, and it's it's a good thing. It's a good thing to talk trick. So, uh, two thumbs up from you two, and a half a thumb from me. So, there we go.
the next track, The Flame Part 2, I mean track 3, Wherever Would I Be Without You, written by Diane Warren. I guess Brian Cramp will let you take this one. From what I read, Diane Warren wrote this song specifically for Cheap Trick. Mm-hmm. Um, not a hundred percent sure if that's true. I forget. Is that on Wikipedia? I don't remember. But uh, I can't remember. This, it's not a terrible song. Obviously, it's very formulaic and cliche, and it's one of those songs, one of those Diane Warren ballads. That's pretty clear. Mm-hmm. It's really pretty clear what it is, in my opinion. Rick Nielsen wrote far better ballads, like Why Oh Why Oh Why is a far better song than this, in my opinion. And uh, I think Rick Nielsen was just as capable of, of writing a ballad for the album as Diane Warren, and, and so I would prefer that, probably, but it's not a terrible song. But, you know, like I was saying about the calculated element to this record, you know, following up Lap of Luxury, unfortunately a lot of those number one hit Lap of Luxury fans were Fairweather fans, and uh, they don't care. <laughs> They're not looking for what the band that wrote the flame is going to do next they're moving on to the next hit that the radio is telling them to like you know so so yeah obviously you kind of understand why a lot of people would look down at this song just from an elitist or something point of view people don't like these kind of formulaic songs i don't i usually don't mind them some of them i like a lot so it's it's all right pat francis well i i do like this song i'm I'm uh, I'm a sucker for Diane Warren. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah. mean, every album that I bought at, in this time period uh, had a Diane Warren song on it, whether it was Marshall Crenshaw or Cyndi Lauper, or Bad English, or Michael Bolton or Bon Jovi. I mean, or I think even Joan Jett. I mean, every single album I picked up had a Diane Warren song on it. Mm-hmm. And when I would pull out the album and look at the sticker of the lyrics and I would see her name, I would I would get excited because I'd, I'd be like, oh. This woman seems to have a track record that I'm enjoying, and so and I and she also her and Rick co-wrote Ghost Town, mm-hmm. which is a far superior song than this. But uh, but yeah, I'm a sucker for a Diane Warren ballad, and especially you know if someone with a great voice like Robin Zander or John Waite sings it, uh, I'm hooked. So uh, I do like this song, and um, I know they're trying for the flame too, or ballad number two or whatever they were trying for but uh for me this works and i don't really think of this as a cheesy ballad i i I like a lot of the lyrics and it's you know it's it's a good sentiment wherever would i be without you i'd be nowhere well you know i get a lot of crap because i love the flame there's a lot of cheap trick fans that think that why would you like that song so unlike cheap trick and they, and, they still and, play it, guys. They that's still right. They still do, and it's a great song. And it's it's a it, you know you play it, people know it, and that's not a bad thing to have in your utility belt, right? Here's what I wrote, and it's funny that you mentioned Bad English because I mentioned them as well. Despite this song being extremely calculated, it works for me as a single, but it would work for as a single for any band: Aerosmith, Kiss, Bad English, anyone. There's a really good solo by Rick, but to me it doesn't really sound like a Rick Nielsen solo. Does that ring a bell with anyone, or does that does that make sense to anybody? Oh yeah, I, I agree 100% with whatever you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. If Warren took any of these songs. I mean, literally, she could take any of these songs and throw them up in the air and say, mm-hmm. "Okay, uh, this is for Bad English. This one's for Cheap Trick. This one's for Aerosmith." 
and um, and any of those bands could nail any of these songs. But is that a credit to her songwriting? Absolutely, it is. So, mm. Now, if even if I were going to give this a half, which I'm not, it would have been bolstered up into a one point, a solid one point, because the video had Bunny crying at the very end. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, if only he would have been in that Elvis Presley outfit again. Still crying. Yeah. Yes. So, so you're saying you like wherever would I be more than I can understand it? Yes. You are not a true, real cheap trick fan. Well, you know, like any that, true, real cheap trick that's fan right. would know why that's I true. can't understand it is well, better. Well, BJ, I know that you're not a really true cheap trick fan because <laughs> you don't think Bang Zoom Crazy Hello is the best album of all time. And I know Pat Francis is not a real cheap trick fan. The, the You've lost points as the number one cheap trick fan for saying anything bad about cheap tricks. <laughs> uh, what we're talking about is that every once in a while on Facebook, if we have an opinion, people get upset about it. Like, it's really weird. I gave the last album, our last episode, I gave the new album a really positive, good review. And people are saying, I guess you guys don't like the album. No. It's just not a perfect album, and the, one of the problems is, and, and I, I don't compare everything that Cheap Trick has done up against its best stuff all of the time, but I look at things just as they are. So to me, I think this is a stronger song. I think it's a better written song than Track 2. So if you're going to compare the two, one was written by someone who was on top of her game at the time. And it, it really is, for all of its uh, extremely calculated drive, it, it, it works. It is, it is a great song. Yeah, okay, here, here's one. That, this, is, this is off uh, the Busted album. Uh, this is, our, I guess it's our latest single. And we've never done this acoustically, but here we go. This one's called Wherever Would I Be.
That's the uh, new single by Cheap Trick, and one of only two songs that you didn't write or co-write on the album, the prolific uh-huh. Diane Warren wrote that one. Yeah, that was written by Diane, and she wrote it for us, which is, which was uh, one of our requests, which we're happy she did. And, yeah, I think she, uh, you know, she enjoyed working with Rick on the last album on the song Ghost Town, mm-hmm. and uh, she decided to, on this record that she wanted to write a song for us, so that was kind of cool. Thanks, Diane. Diane. If you're yeah, out you there know. and you have nothing better to do, call us up. <laughs> In your spare time, just I'm sure you're sitting out there right now. I think she just bought most of Tokyo. (laughs) (laughs) That very well could be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's doing rather well these days. Yeah, Mm -hmm. very nice. Very nice person too. Works works here out of Hollywood. Up next, track four. If you need me. History is going to go the way it's been going so far. I assume Ken's going to like this better than the last song, which he liked better than the second song, which he liked better than the first song. <laughs> well, you might be on to something. Uh, you, Pat Francis, your thoughts on track four, If You Need Me. This, this is co-written by Robin, Rick, and Mick Jones from, uh, from Foreigner. Uh, I, think, I think Mick also plays guitar on this song i think he might be doing uh, i think mick does the solo on this song i believe you're right yeah but yeah. um 
Man, I love, I, I love if you need me. I love it. I, I, I think it's, a, I think it's an amazing song. Well, lyrically, what's the matter you? Uh, pops up again. What's the matter with you? Rears its head. Uh, but this sounds like a foreigner song, which makes sense because yeah. Mick Jones is part of this. It may not be the best foreigner song. But this song should have been a hit based on the chorus and the bridge alone. Absolutely. I don't understand why some things become a hit and some things don't. Um, But to me, this track has enough great pop sensibilities to make it good. But it's not a great Cheap Trick song. Uh, I give it a one point, a narrow one point. But uh, I I do like the song. This was released as a single, or at least there was there was a video for this song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's one awkward part where it shifts from coming back to the chorus to the second verse. It just sounds a little weird to me, and it's the only time it happens in the song. Brian Cramp, your thoughts on "If You Need Me"? Yeah, that's funny you say that because I do think it's uh, the transition into the it, into the chorus is not perfect. Right. Um, but it's awkward. You know that that part that part was from an earlier song called don't ever let me go so it seems like it was it seems like two different songs were kind of plugged together here which is sometimes is a great way to write a song and i Mm -hmm. think this song works and yet it's not a hundred percent of a perfect flow i think between the from the verse into the chorus but uh and i think that's a testament to the fact that it's two songs that were combined probably
I think this is a, a good song, but it's very generic. It could have been by a hundred different bands. It doesn't really sound anything like what you would identify as Cheap Trick, per se. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, when I was listening to this, it really sounds to me, especially in the verse, like a cross between like Animal and Love and Affection from Hysteria. Like I heard a lot of <laughs> a lot of that in this. Um, it's so it's just kind of a, yeah, it's a generic pop rock well, song. It's a good song with a good melody. And I will agree with you guys that it, it that it, it is it is a generic pop song. I agree, but man, when Robin Zander sings a generic pop song, for me it's still a, it's still a great song. Yeah, I mean, very I do, true. I do like <laughs> yeah. Nick Solo in there too. Yeah, um, and Pat, you said yeah. This is there was a video, but I read in the book that they were going to release it as a single, and Big Bang was going to be the B side, and they canceled it. Epic canceled it, and that sucks because I would love to have that forty five. Yeah. With Big Bang on there. Yeah. Also, um, wouldn't it have been great if Mick Jones had produced a Cheap Trick album? I mean, he had great success helping Van Halen out with 5150, and he had great success uh, with Billy Joel's Stormfront. I love both of those albums. And uh, I wonder if that was ever in uh, in discussion, that maybe Mick would ever produce uh, a Cheap Trick album. Well, maybe he could do the next one. He sure could. Yeah, let's yeah, move they on. They need a new producer. I agree. Yes, let's move on to Julian Raymond. They're too comfortable with that guy, and that guy is obviously uh, just saying yes, yes, yes to everything. They need someone that's going to push them a little bit more. And again, I think in uh, somewhere I posted, I would love to hear. Uh, I would love to hear Dave Grohl produce a Cheap Trick album. That guy loves the band, but I think he would push them uh, a little further too. Yeah. Agree. Uh, I, I think that would be a very worthwhile experience. Maybe just do like an EP. There's no reason to do full albums anymore. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I agree with that too. I mean, yeah, take do, like do six straight, five or six kick-ass songs, and just get in there and tear it up. And that would be awesome to have an EP produced by Dave Grohl. That would just what a great idea. Yeah. And I, I will say. Um, I would rather have a couple of mediocre Cheap Trick albums come out uh, in rapid succession than than to wait six or seven years again. That that's right. just too much time to wait. So even I though I don't care for the most recent releases, I am glad that the band's still recording, still writing, uh, still wants to give the fans uh, a full-length LP. Well, there's also the problem that the shadow that they have cast with the greatness that they have achieved. No band can live up to to their best all the time. Right. They just can't. But even, and, in, re- even in recent years, um, I don't feel like the latest works as an album, but if I pull out the best songs on the latest, and they're songs that I love, I think all of the songs that I would pull out that I love are better than any of the songs on the two recent albums, and that's just my opinion. Except for Falling Down. I agree Down. with that. Except yeah. for Falling Down. That that song is just amazing. And I'll, I will arm wrestle both of you at the same time. It's so funny, the song Falling Down, I can't even I can't even hear it in my head right now. I can't... Oh, it's... It's, it's, it's it, to me... It's really, floating down. Yeah. Oh, what did Float I say? Down. What did I say? Oh, floating down. Yeah, sorry. I will I will arm wrestle you over floating down. So floating down's a good tune, but I still don't but I still like Miss Tomorrow, Sick Man of Europe, These mm-hmm. Days, 
Smile. See, man, you just... Alive. Alive is my favorite, probably, from latest. Alive, I mean... You just pulled six great songs that would have... Just imagine a statement of those six songs, and that's it. Just imagine Yeah, you're right. Yeah, as an EP. And I'm a big sucker for EPs. I mean, Found All the Parts says everything I need to say about it, you know. It's insanely brilliant, yeah. But let's, let's talk about busted since we're here see this is the problem you're you love cheap tricks so much and we're like kind of making up for the last three years you weren't on the show so uh, <laughs> i hope i'm not pushing this episode too long guys. no no it's it's no, great i'm worried we're taking up too much of your time <laughs> no. Oh, no no look i whenever i'm doing something like this i uh i don't agree to it unless i have the time to give you so right i'm here well, sometimes we've broken albums up into a side one and side two, so it, it doesn't matter. We're fine either okay, way. Cool. If it runs too long, we'll just pop it out into two, one and two. All right. Up next, track five, Can't Stop Falling Into Love, written by Nielsen, Xander, and Tom Peterson. BJ Cramp, Brian, what do you think? Well, from what I read, this originally started as an instrumental that Rick recorded pre-Lap of Luxury, mm-hmm. and Robin heard it and said they should do something with it, and then Rick said Robin wrote some really awful words, <laughs> so that Rick came up with Can't Stop Falling Into Love, and I don't know if you guys know this whole story, but they recorded a demo with an, with a Milwaukee singer named Harvey Scales singing mm-hmm. it, which I've never heard. I don't think it ever made it out into the bootlegging world. But um, interesting thing about Harvey Scales is he wrote the song Love Itis, which was a part of the very early Cheap Trick set list, like Zeno mm-hmm. era.
But then, so that demo with Harvey Scales, this is the legend at least, Robin played a tape of it for Rod Stewart, and Rod wanted to record it, but Epic wanted the band to keep it for themselves. And so, all of that to say that this sounds like a Rod Stewart single from the time, and not a Cheap Trick song. And definitely, I don't like this song, especially as a Cheap Trick song. And this is the one, you know, there, there's a lot of talk of on Lap of Luxury, there was a lot of record label interference, and you don't feel like the label interfered as much with Busted, but I think this is the, the, the biggest example of the record label inserting itself. The band weren't going to do this song. Uh, they wanted to give it to Rod Stewart, but the label wanted it on the record. And, uh, and yeah, but it went to number 12 on the charts, which is surprising because yeah. it definitely didn't have any staying power. <laughs> it didn't, nobody knows this song, I don't think, or remembers it outside of Cheap Trick fans, probably. Even yeah. though I remember it being on MTV a lot mm -hmm. at the time. But it's yeah. just really lightweight, really lightweight song. And I think the chorus is kind of a dud, in my opinion, so I'm not a big fan of this one. Hmm. Pat Francis, your thoughts on Can't Stop Falling Into Love? Well, I, first of all, I love when Tom is in the mix as a songwriter. Um, Me too. In 2017, Tom Peterson is probably my favorite member of, of Cheap Trick. But I, so I love, I love the intro. The intro's got like a cool little bass thing. Mm -hmm. It starts the song. I, uh, I do like, uh, I do like this song. I'm giving it a, I'm giving it a check on my list. Uh, I don't disagree with anything that was previously said, but I, I love the video. The video had like some thought balloons and like comic strip stuff that went along with um, uh, the comic book that was released to promote the album. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Also get uh, a version of the CD that had uh, a different uh, different album graphics. It was comic, it was like a limited edition. I don't know mm -hmm. if you guys probably own that or have seen it. But uh, I do like this song. I uh, There's a girl in the corner with a jacked up dress. I just like how Robin delivers these lines, I mean, even stupid stuff like, hey, rock and rollers, what's happening with you? You've got the itch and I've got it too. That's that's not a great lyric, but... Um, <laughs> Sounds but, like Rod Stewart more, right? Yeah. But, yeah, and you know what's funny is Rod Stewart could have easily recorded this song two years later. You yeah, know, true. Epic, Epic wouldn't have cared. They, right. The trick wasn't even on the label anymore, so... Uh, yeah, but they might have also thought, well, that didn't do anything for them. It's not going to do anything for me. That's true, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I do. This is another win for me. I don't. So far, uh, and I remember buying this on um, on a single, and I was driving uh, from Pennsylvania to Chicago, mm -hmm. and I think the flip side was "You Drive I'll Steer," and yeah, that 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 just thing got just played over and over and over and over again, and I could not wait for this album to be released because I really did like uh, the first opening single. So yeah, it's a, it's a win for me still. Can I can I tell a quick story, Ken? That I that. Uh, Pat just reminded me of because he mentioned the comic book. Sure. Um, <laughs> I have a friend, Craig, who's a, a longtime huge Cheap Trick fan. And he, I have a copy of the comic book because Craig gave it to me because he went to like a county fair and there was a radio station there. They had a table or a booth there. They were like broadcasting live from the fair. And uh, it must have been right when this came out. And so they had a stack of the comic books sitting there on the table and they did some kind of a trivia contest and Craig knew the answer and they were going to give him a prize. And he said, well, for my prize, can I just have this stack of cheap trick comic books? And they said, yeah, sure. And so, and then they said, do you want to say anything over the radio? 
And so he screamed live over the radio. He screamed, free cheap trick comic books rule. (laughs) (laughs) Which if you had ever met Craig, it's the greatest story because of his personality (laughs) and everything. So yeah, Craig, my favorite story about Craig is he he was at an overkill show in a club in a club, you know, the thrash metal band Overkill. Mm-hmm. And he went to the bathroom and he was, you know, peeing in the urinal. And he, he said to the guy next to him, these guys fucking rule. And then he vomited into the urinal <laughs> as he was saying rule. <laughs> I guess he likes the word rule because both of those stories have something ruling well, in them. But You know what? I think Craig rules. <laughs> yeah, I want to have him on the show sometime. We've got to have Craig fan. on the show. <laughs> yeah. I want him to say cheap talk rules. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. we need to do a Kickstarter GoFundMe <laughs> to get Craig on the show. Well, again, Brian Cramp did not ask me my opinion on Track 5, Can't no, Stop I Falling you Into Love. Yeah, I know. But, hey, you Ken, know, what do you think about Track 5? Well, thank you. <laughs> you know, it just shows how much BJ and I are in sync when when we do our slumber parties. I did not even know about the Rod Stewart story. What? I didn't, but here's my notes. I love the McCartney-esque bass playing from Tom. Those nice little dives that he does, and it's excellent to hear him in the mix. Uh, And I wrote, I can even hear Rod Stewart doing this, and he would have had a big hit with it. Cheap Trick is trying to get back into the flame territory, but on their own terms, meaning as songwriters. I do give this a strong one point. So there you go. So you do like it? I do like it.
It's an evening with Cheap Trick and Bob Coburn. Let's hit the phones quickly before we run out of time. we got Pat on the line in Chicago listening to the Loop FM 98, which is where our guests are located tonight. Hi, Pat. Wow. Hi, how you guys doing? Hey, Pat. Hi, Pat. I love you guys. You guys are great. I was wondering Thanks. if uh, you are going to have a live keyboard player perform with you this time, or are you going to program it? Oh, no. We have a live guy, and he's uh, his name is Todd Howarth. He's been out with us for quite a while. Uh, he was actually out with us in 1985 and 86, too. And after that, he went to, uh, he used to be with Ted Nugent, and then he was with uh, Ace Fraley's Comet. And uh, he's real good, Todd. And uh, I'm supposed to say hello to Enough's Enough. They're making a new record. They're from Chicago, too. And i got to say hello to the guys in Motley Crue, because I know that they're listening to this show right now. Well, everybody listens to Rock. I mean, we were talking about Diane Warren earlier, and you guys were saying, yeah, or she's listening right now. Diane, hi, how are you? Hi, it's Diane in Hollywood. <laughs> it oh, my you. God. You guys, my favorite song. <laughs> you know, I just wanted to tell you my favorite song of yours. I'm a big fan. My favorite song is Wherever Would I Be. What do you think about this live version? <laughs> it used to it used to be your favorite song. <laughs> yeah. no. How you guys doing? Pretty good. <laughs> hey, we even said nice stuff about you on the air. You did? Di well, Diane, oh, keep those that. calls coming in, How please. Uh, we'll talk about it. We'll negotiate after the show's over. <laughs> well, how are you guys doing good? Are we ever going to see you again, Diane? What is this? One, well, you're down the street from me. What do you mean? We're Where are you? We'll be in L.A., I think, on the 14th of December. Oh, and you LA? better come to the show, too. I'm going to be there. And All also, right. Diane, you know what we're doing? We're having you. Chrissy Hine can't be there, so you are singing her part on Walk Away. Is that okay? Nah, you have cool. I'm sure. <laughs> 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 well, we had, it was either you or Richie. We, we chose you. <laughs> nah, you should have Richie. <laughs> he looks lousy in a miniskirt. <laughs> Diane, thanks for calling. Me. Thanks for thanks, calling, Diane. Diane. Thanks for the great songs, too, okay? Thank you. All right, I'll talk to you soon. All right, you guys want to play something live for us real quick before we run out of time here? Uh, not really, but yeah, we okay. will. All right, it's been nice having you on the air. Thanks. Okay, hey, Bob, third time on Rockline. Third time's a charm. It's been fun. Uh, yeah, we're going to play a song that's never been recorded by Cheap Trick. This is called Don't Steal My Girlfriend. <laughs> Thanks to everybody don't, for don't steal my girlfriend. Yeah, indeed. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening and calling our address quickly. P.O. Box four three eight three Hollywood, California nine double zero seven eight. Next week we got the Birds with David Crosby, Chris Hillman, and Roger McGuinn, and then coming soon Steve Winwood, Deep Purple, and we got a whole lot more lined up for you too. Thanks tonight to Ken Adamani, to Hannah Bolte, and Shelley Mori of Epic Records, also to Greg Salk, Tony Gates, Kent Lewin, and Tom Knaus of the Loop FM ninety eight in Chicago for hosting Cheap Trick. Tonight.
tonight on Rockline. And thanks to you three guys. Uh, third time's a charm. This has been the most fun I've ever had with you guys. Hey, a really good you, 90 Bob. minutes. Hey, Bob, uh, I think we should get the tapes of what you say when uh, when songs are being played. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most classic stuff. I, I love it. Wait till my, Those stories are the good ones. Wait till my book comes out. <laughs> uh, forget all that stuff I said. <laughs> thanks, guys. I'm VC, and I'll be seeing you in a week. Our next guest is a uh, singer and songwriter whose brand new album right here is named appropriately Henry Lee Summer. He's making his network television debut with us here tonight. Folks, please welcome Henry Lee Summer. When my world is turned, when it's turned, Upside down And all I see is rain When I think the night won't end I just think of you And I can see the sun again That's the end of side one. Watch for side two of Busted coming soon on the Cheap Talk feed. See you then. And that's our show. Trick Chat is an online nonprofit audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to Cheap Trick or any of their members past or present. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes to buy it. If you enjoyed this show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying keep cheap tricking. you want to say anything about you sodomizing sheep, again, it will now be recorded. Sodomizing sheep. Sodomizing sheep. Sodomizing sheep. Sodomizing sheep. Sheep. <laughs>